Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. You probably heard the saying, all truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. And that applies perfectly to our new series that I'm calling Begin with the End in Mind, which is actually a phrase that was made popular by Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And just so you know up front here, the principles I'm going to be talking about in these coming messages, even the content of these messages, not at all original with me. In fact, many of these truths and principles, I've seen them applied in the corporate world, taught by leadership experts and life coaches, printed in bestsellers, preached by many pastors. In fact, I've taught a lot of these principles in the past. I'm sure I'll be teaching the truths in the future because some truths are just worth coming back to time and time again as a reminder. But of course, even though these principles apply across the board, even in the secular realm, what I'm going to bring to the table is the biblical basis behind these crucial principles. Now, let's start off this message with a little informal survey. How many of you, like me, are really bad with directions? Okay, if you're directionally challenged, just go ahead, way high, just be proud, all right? Yeah, people make fun of you, you get lost a lot. It's okay. (laughs) It's so funny, I'm seeing people look at the person next to you, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, my hand's up. Because God usually doesn't pair us up with people who get lost too. In fact, if you're dating someone and you want to know whether or not he or she is your soulmate, just ask him, are you a lost or an unlost, okay? (laughs) I don't think God would pair you up if you were different. But anyhow, for those of you who are not directionally challenged, you need to know something about those of us who get lost. Okay, we do not get lost on purpose. You think we do. You think you just don't pay attention. We try. We really try to pay attention. We're not good at it, but we try. And the second thing you need to know about being lost is you are lost before you know you're lost, right? When you're getting lost, you don't realize you're getting lost. It's kind of weird that way. You don't know where the line is. Like, oops, I just got lost. Well, I'll back up 100 feet and be found again. And now I know where I'm at. No, by the time you realize that you're lost, you've been lost a long time. Isn't that true? It happened way before you knew it. And so consequently, especially guys, we drive with a sense of confidence when we're lost, right? Because we don't know we're lost. And the third thing about being lost that you need to know is whatever road you're on determines where you end up. Ooh, that's deep, isn't it? And whatever path or road you're on, you're eventually going to end up where that takes you, okay? The path determines your destination. And I don't see a lot of people grabbing their pens and writing it down like it's some remarkable new revelation, But as obvious as that sounds, as obvious as that is in the world of geography, it seems like when it comes to the rest of our lives, our financial lives, our dating life, our marriage life, our parenting, our profession, whatever it is, that same principle applies. It's been called by some the principle of the path, and it goes like this, direction determines destination. To kind of expand on this, direction, not intention, determines your destination. Now, in the world of driving, we know that absolutely, don't we? I mean, if you were to pack up your shorts and sunscreen to go to the beach, you hop in the car and you get on I-35 going north, (laughs) yeah, you're not going to make it to Galveston or Corpus Christi or Padre, whatever your beach of choice is in Texas. You just won't. 
You can pack for it. You can plan for it. You can take pictures. You can invite your friends over to pray for you. God, we pray for traveling mercies as we go to the beach. Doesn't matter what you believe. Doesn't matter if you've been going to church or not. Doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter. If you get on I-35 going north, you're not gonna make it to the beach regardless of what your intention is. And you're looking at me like, duh, we know that. But here's what's so interesting. We know that in the world of hiking and driving. But when it comes to other areas of our lives, there's like this disconnect with this principle. But this principle, the path, it applies to your financial path because all of us are on a financial path, aren't we? If you're dating, it applies to the path you've chosen for your dating. If you're married, it applies to the path you've chosen for your marriage. It's true of your profession. It's true of your health. There's a path for every one of those areas and the principle of the path applies to all of them that your direction, not your intentions or hopes or dreams or prayers, your direction determines your destination. Now, we're going to talk about this for a few weeks because my biggest concern, the thing that's kind of driving this whole series is the fact that there is often a huge disconnect between where people want to end up and the path they've chosen. I mean, over and over again, I talk to people whose lives have crashed and burned or their marriage blew up, their finances tanked, and you listen to them tell their story and you've had friends of yours tell the same kinds of stories. They tell their story about how brokenhearted they are and when you listen to them tell about the path that they chose, you're thinking to yourself, well, what did you expect? All right, there's a huge contrast between people's hopes and dreams and where they wound up. You know, I chose a path that led this way, and you know what? I ended up exactly where that path took me. That's the principle of the path. But now I'm so brokenhearted and angry at God because I'm not where I hoped I would be. And you want to say, well, what did you expect, right? Why did you go down that path? It's because we think our intentions can somehow trump the decisions we make on a daily basis. But the truth is the principle of the path trumps our intentions and hopes and dreams every single time. Direction always determines destination. Now to make this a little bit clearer, I wanna take us to a passage of scripture in the book of Proverbs. Okay, we're gonna walk through this. This chapter of Proverbs was written by the wisest man who ever lived, a man by the name of Solomon. And he tells a story. Now, we don't know if this is a true story based on something that happened in his past or if it's a parable. But he's standing up at a window looking down at the street. And he sees this young man walking along. And he knows the destination. He knows the end of this guy's journey, even though this guy does not. Now, that's happened to most all of us in life. Maybe you've been at an intersection, right? And you saw two cars and you realized they didn't see each other. And in that moment, you kind of knew the future, right? It's like, uh-oh, look out. You saw it coming. Okay, for just a moment, you were kind of like God, all right? Just for a moment. Or maybe you're a parent of a toddler, and you see your toddler make a decision or move in a certain direction, and you can just see it coming. Oh, there it goes, there it goes, there it goes. Crash. Every once in a while, we get a snapshot of someone's destiny. We have an inkling or a hunch about what's gonna happen to the person, even though the person does not. Well, that's what's happening here. And Solomon kind of narrates this kid's journey. And in doing so, he illustrates this simple principle that every path has a destination. This is Proverbs chapter seven, beginning in verse six. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice I saw among the people, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked 
judgment. Now, to be fair, all youth, to some degree, lack judgment. Right? It's not because there's anything wrong with youth. It's because judgment requires time and experience. And young people don't have a lot of time or experience. None of us did. And so consequently, we lack judgment. This is why if you're a teenager, every once in a while your parents come down on you because they have perspective you don't have, right? And they realize that you lack judgment. And I know you're thinking, well, I may lack judgment, but look at what you're wearing, okay? So don't tell me you have judgment, right? Look at those pants, oh my gosh, right? As bad as your parents may dress or as weird as they do their hair, they, they have time and experience, okay? And time and experience often gives us judgment, and so Solomon, he looks at this young guy and he says, you know, nice guy, cool guy, whatever. But he lacks judgment. He lacks judgment. Verse 8. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to anticipate where this story is going, do you? Here's this kid walking along at sunset, walking down the street, heading toward this woman's house. And to the back of his mind, there's a soundtrack that's playing. It's either Born to be Wild or Party Like a Rockstar, depending on what generation you're from. And he's thinking, this is gonna be like the greatest thing ever. Meanwhile, up at the window, Solomon's watching this whole thing go down. And there's a soundtrack playing in his mind. It's the Jaws music, all right? So there's this huge contrast between what this kid thinks he's experiencing and how this older, wiser man sees it. The kid's thinking, this is gonna be an exciting event. The older, wiser man says, no, no, no. This is not an event. This is a path with a destination. And this is a path with a very predictable destination. Story continues, verse 10. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute, though she's not a prostitute, and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. And she took hold of him and kissed him. With a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Whoa. Okay, basically what she's saying is, I'm not a prostitute. I have plenty of money. I'm not after your money. And then she says this odd thing. Today, I fulfilled my vows. Okay, here's what she's saying. I have been to the temple and I got everything squared away with God, right? I took my bucket of sin and, and poured it out on the altar. I sacrificed an animal and God has forgiven me of all my past sins. And now I'm ready to take that empty bucket and fill it back up again with you. Ooh. Now, honestly, a lot of us in here have played this little game with our sins before and how that works before God whether you grew up Protestant or Catholic, both Catholics and Protestants have a little system with God. Right now, the Catholics is pretty sophisticated. You take your empty bucket, you fill it up, and then you go to confession, right? You pour it all out, and the priest absolves you of all your sins. And then you walk away with an empty bucket looking for an opportunity to fill it up again the next week, right? Okay, how, how about Protestants? Okay, same thing, right? We've just been told we don't need the priest. We don't need confession. We can just go straight to God. Say, Heavenly Father, I confess this to you. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. And we've been told that God takes out a giant eraser and erases our sins. And he can't even remember what he erased, right? It's like, I don't know, what, what did they even do? Right? And we walk away with our empty bucket looking for an opportunity to fill it back up again. Ooh. 
You know what? That is such an insult to God. It's basically saying, God, you're so naive. I've got this whole system figured out. And so many Christians, they play this little game with their sins. So this woman says to the young man, you know, I got everything squared away with God. And now I have an empty bucket and I'm ready to fill it back up again with sin with you. And look at what happens, verse 15. So I came out, and then she says something three times here. Listen to this. So I came out to meet, not just anyone, I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. And he's thinking, dude, she came out here looking for me, right? I am so special. I'm like one of a kind. I'm like the man of her dreams. I mean, this is unique. This is the stuff stories are made of and songs are written about. I can't wait to tell my friends. I came walking down here thinking maybe I see her. She came out here looking for me. And the volume goes up to eight or nine in his soundtrack of what's going on here. Verse 16, I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. And this young guy, he's thinking, am I dreaming? This is unreal. It's like being in a music video, except it's real. This is perfect. My husband, verse 19, my husband is not at home. He's thinking, okay, I'm assuming that, right? Thanks for just, you know, taking that one question away from me. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey, which means you don't have to rush out in the morning. You can hang around, have breakfast. We're good. He took his purse. You know, that one used to throw me off a little bit, right? I mean, maybe that's why they're having this problem in their marriage. I don't know. I'm just, just, just kidding, okay? His man bag, all right? <clears throat> he took his man bag. Uh, going on. He took his purse, his man bag, filled, filled with money and will not be home till full moon. Basically, he's gone a long time. You can come back tomorrow night. Verse 21. With persuasive words, right? We just saw that. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. But he's bought in, right? He's like, I'm like a rock star. I'm like a well-known celebrity walking into a club and all eyes are on me. I can take my pick. I'm like the pro athlete that women are clamoring to sleep with. This is like the ultimate dream come true, an event to remember. But now the older, wiser man says, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. What? No, no, no. Not like an ox going to the slaughter, like, like Mr. Rich and Famous walking into a club. Dude, you want to hear the soundtrack of my life? No thanks, I hear the Jaws music, okay? So the guy is saying, well, how can it be so different? Well, in case you didn't get the whole ox to the slaughter thing, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. Ooh, this is graphic. You're like a deer who sees a nice place to nestle down and steps into a noose. And it wraps around his foot and tightens, tightens, tightens. And then from the periphery, the hunters appear and fill the deer with arrows until he breathes his last. Oh, is that not enough? How about a third one? Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing that it will cost him his life. Oof. 
The guy's like, now, now wait a second. You're like my dad up there at the window, right? You're like my mom, so judgmental, right? You're raining on my parade. You've got this all wrong. This is just a date. No, it's a path. This is just an event. No, it's not. It's a path. You see, you're all focused on what you're doing. I'm focused on where you're heading. You're focused on the immediate. I'm focused on tomorrow. Two contrasting perspectives on the very same event. And listen to verse 24 here. Solomon's now going to pull out of this narrative, and he begins to address you. He begins to address me. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Solomon's going, look up here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, right? Now, guys, don't sit over here thinking, whoa, that would be kind of cool. Or women, don't sit over there going, well, she's just disgusting, right? Everybody just focus here for a second. There's a huge lesson to be learned here. Don't judge too quickly. Don't take yourself out of this equation. Verse 25, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her, what? Say it with me, paths, paths. Guys thinking, paths? I, I just went to her house. This is just an event. Verse 26, many, many, many are the victims she has brought down. In other words, buddy, I hate to break it to you, but this is not a unique situation. I know you're thinking, I've never felt like this before, but lots of other people have. You're thinking, this is like a one-of-a-kind thing. She's like my soulmate. Solomon's going, no, 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 you fool. This is so common. This is a path. This is so predictable, it's laughable. He says, many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. In other words, buddy, lots of people have done this. This whole scenario here with you and this married woman whose husband is gone, this is so commonplace. Now think about this, people. This was written almost 3,000 years ago. Nothing much has changed, has it? Listen to verse 27. Her house is a highway. It is a four-lane highway, HOV lane, double deck, right? So many people have gone down this road. Her house is a highway, to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Oof. Now, when I started reading this, you kind of knew where it was going, didn't you? And how did you know? Because somehow we know this when it comes to somebody else, don't we? This is why if you've ever been to a counselor, you get about halfway through your story, they interrupt you and, and they go, and, and I bet when that happened, you felt, and you go, whoa, yeah, that's right. And I bet your husband or your wife said, you're like, yeah, you're exactly right. How'd you know? You're so smart. And the counselor's going, I'm not so smart. I've just heard this same scenario like 800 zillion times, right? You're just like the last guy who was in there 30 minutes ago and paid me 90 bucks, right? This is not unique. This is not unique. Happens all the time. This is commonplace. It's a path. And we need to quit buying into this lie, this disconnect that our culture often hands us that says this, as long as my intentions are good, as long as my intentions are good, as long as I want to end up somewhere good, it doesn't matter what path I take. No, because at the end of the day, your path trumps your intentions. Now, I've got some scenarios I want to share here with you just to kind of identify the disconnect that's happening. A few scenarios for you. How about this one? You know, I want to end up 
with a great Christian man who's really got his act together. Yeah, that's my intention. So I'm going to date whoever asked me out as long as he's really cute. Yeah. Yeah, you see, I have this vision of what I ultimately want the man of my dreams to look like, the relationship I'm going to have with a Christian guy. And what are you doing about it? Well, the path I've chosen is to date whoever asked me as long as he's really cute. And I think that that'll somehow lead me to my destination. No, no, no. You got to understand, your path trumps your intentions every single time. How about this one? I want my kids to respect me. When my kids grow up, I want them to come to me for advice, right? And when they have kids, I want my grandkids to come to me for advice. I want to be the wise statesman of our family. So I'm going to fool around on their mom. Whoa, 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 what? That's not going to lead to respect. I know, but that's the path I've chosen. And somehow at the end of the day, it'll all work out. It'll just all work out. That's like, Brian, you know, I don't understand why my kids don't call. I don't understand why my kids or grandkids, they don't want anything to do with me. Well, I'm not all that smart, but you chose a path that leads to gaining the disrespect of your kids and now you got it. Guys, that's where that path leads every time. You think you'll be the exception, you won't. If you get on I-35 going north, you're not going to make it to Galveston. And if you follow that path of unfaithfulness, it's not gonna lead to respect. You say, you know, I wanna grow old right, and invest in my grandchildren, so I'm going to neglect my health. I want to lose weight. I want to be thin, so supersize that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, I want to know God, right? I meet people who spend time with God. They know the Bible so, so well, right? And and that's the kind of person I want to be. They seem so close to God. That's my intention. So I'm going to wake up every morning and read the newspaper. Or I want to have a great relationship with my husband, I want our marriage to just be the best. So I'm going to prioritize the kids over my husband. See that all the time. And you go to a small group, you do a marriage curriculum, you go to marriage conferences, read books on marriage. But in the meantime, day to day, you prioritize the kids over your husband. That's a path that leads to a specific destination. And you don't trump that with prayers, small group, reading books, going to church. It's a principle. Direction determines destination. I want to be financially secure so I don't have to wake up in the morning and worry about my financial situation. So I'm going to amass a whole bunch of consumer debt. I'm going to keep charging things. It's not going to get you there, is it? There are a bunch more, but I think you get the point. So when you think about your paths, your financial paths, relational, moral, educational, professional, entertainment, whatever it may be, the question you need to ask is this, are the paths you're on going to get you where you need to be? where you want to be. Begin with the end in mind. Now, chances are somebody has already begun warning you, right? But here's what happens. The reason we're so enamored with these wrong paths is because usually there is someone or something on that path that has a strong emotional appeal. And it is emotional. It's not rational. And we become so fixated on the immediate that we don't see the ultimate. That was the case for the kid in this story. And so Solomon says, don't let her steal your heart. We become so enamored with what's on the path, we don't even realize that we are on a path. So when someone comes along and says, hey, maybe it's none of my business, but do you realize where this path is taking you? You're thinking, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, it's just all about the here and now. But you can't trump this principle of the path with good intentions. 
which is why you should always listen to God and your mama, right? Because <laughs> your mama knows, right? Mama's tried to warn you, and she wouldn't just like stand up there at the window and watch and write a book in the Bible, would she? No, she'd throw open the lattice and go, hey, you're about to make a huge mistake down there. And you're like, oh, mom. She's like, no, 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 no. This isn't just an event. This isn't just a decision. This is a path with a predetermined destination. And you know, oftentimes, we're not able to figure this out on our own, are we? Which is why God brings friends, relatives, accountability partners, someone wise around us to tap us on the shoulder, drop us an email, make that awkward phone call and say, hey, I'm watching the decisions you're making and I kind of feel like you're moving in a dangerous direction here. And you're thinking, I'm not going in any direction. But they're up at the window. They have perspective. And so the question is, will you listen in that moment? Or will you think that somehow you can break this principle of the path to move in a direction and never experience the destination? Now, in closing here, this principle, I want to turn this to the positive side. This principle, like any principle, can be used for our good, right? Some of you may be out here and maybe you've been on the path of faithfulness year after year after year and you're just now beginning to experience the incredible spiritual benefits, the blessings of being faithful. Maybe you've chosen the path of forgiveness. You've been hurt, you've been wounded, but you decided I am not going down a path of bitterness. I'm just not. And you're just now beginning to experience the destination of becoming a grace-filled, forgiving person. Maybe you've been financially responsible. You've driven smaller and lived smaller and stayed out of debt. You've been a steady plotter and you're beginning to experience the rewards of that. God didn't just bless you overnight because of a decision. You chose a path that has a predetermined destination. So here's the question in closing. When you think about your paths, financial, relational, spiritual, whatever path, is the path you're on going to get you where you ultimately wanna be? And as someone tried to point ahead and warned you, but maybe you blew them off, you thought you're smarter than that, that somehow what happens to everyone else on that path isn't gonna happen to you. Everyone else ends up at that destination, but somehow you're gonna avoid it. You can't. It's a principle. Direction, not intention, determines destination. So begin with the end in mind. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the wisdom of Solomon. I want to thank you for the principles that are so true. And God, I also want to thank you for your grace because we do recognize that we get lost a lot. We get off the path a whole lot. And I'm so thankful that your grace is sufficient for us that you pick us up, you dust us off. You're a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and 400th chances, that you never give up on us. And we stray a lot, we make mistakes, and you're, you're even able to redeem those. But it doesn't change the consequences that, that we end up reaping what we sow. So God, I pray that we would take this principle to heart and we would look at the past that we're on in life and, and ask the question, are we really on a path that's going to get us where we want to be? Or do we find ourselves just emotionally veering left and right and every which way? God, I pray that wherever we're at, 
you would give us a heads up, that you would be the one to guide us and that we would turn to you. We have to ask you, Lord, am I on the right path? Is this the direction you want me to go? Maybe there are people here that are just able to celebrate that they've been on that right path in certain areas of their life for 5, 10, 15, 20 years and they're experiencing blessings for that. There may be others here who are feeling the sting of this message because they've gone down that wrong path. But we thank you that you're a God of grace, that we can start over again. We can start afresh and we can begin to go down those right paths and experience the kind of blessings that you want us to experience. And it takes time. We have to stay on the path. We have to stick with it. But eventually, we'll reach that destination where we experience the blessings you desire for us. Whatever season of life we're in, whatever area of life we're talking about, Lord, that you have blessings for us. If we will be steady plotters, if we will just keep our focus upon you. So again, Lord, we thank you for these principles that are so true. They're true across the board, but all truth is your truth. And so we give you thanks for that now, in Jesus' name.